This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing. If you or a loved one need mental health assistance or are experiencing a mental health crisis, call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of FYI, All Things Mental Wellness. I'm here with uh, my co-host Nadia. G'day Nadia, how are you doing? Hey Ben, hey, good, good. We have uh, a fella in today who's going to have a bit of a chat to us about his life and his journey with uh, mental health and what that's meant to him and some influences that have come into his life that have really steered his view on things and how he's managed to get through the tough times in his life and what he's drawn on to help him through that hopefully he can share some tips and tricks with us um, and all of you listening to uh, to get through some tough times. He's a, he's a fella who's married. He's got, uh, what do you got, mate? You've got five kids, which um, which is fantastic. Five. He's uh, he's a footy player. He's a, he's a runner. He's a, he's an umpire. He's a, he's a, he's a bloke. So at the end of the day, we've talked to a few of his mates and they talk really highly of him. But uh, more than anything else, welcome, Tony Saunders. Thank you. Thank How you, you for Bulldog? having me. Yeah, not too bad. Yes. Tell us about the Bulldog thing. Where does that come from? Uh, comes from a good mate of mine, Mick Del Zotto, which I think you would know. I know. Yeah. Well, I know Mick's product. Yes, Del Zotto's wines. <laughs> wines. Do we know Mick? Yeah. So, that, so what happened was I was renowned for running into football games with my head first and quite a few times I've actually got my nose broken yeah, right. several times. I actually broke it seven times to be quite So honest. you look like a bulldog. So he started calling me Mac, uh, the Mac truck yeah, uh, because my nose was getting flat like a Mac, Mac <laughs> truck and it sort of didn't catch on at all. So he turned around and he goes, hang on, what's that emblem on the front of the Mac truck? It's a bulldog. Yep. He goes, oh, I'll call you bulldog because yeah. everyone thinks it's bulldog because I'm a bulldog supporter. Yeah. But... It, I laughed at him and said that was never going to catch on, and my God, it did. Actually, 95% of people at my Yak Football Club don't even know my real name. Is that right? Yes, everyone just knows me as Bulldog. And they all think <laughs> it's all because... There's worst nicknames you could have, I <laughs> yeah, guess. Is, yeah. We love the doggies. Oh, well, well yeah. I'm Mick. Yeah, that one's stuck. Yeah, and it's stuck, and it's stuck well and truly. Thank to the point where I had a gentleman come up and ask me for... I was selling uh, raffle tickets that day or something for something, and he said, oh, I'm looking for Tony Saunders. Do you know where he is and he asked that directly to me and I said no I've never heard of Tony Swan before <laughs> <laughs> that's funny nicknames are such a big part of, of small communities but in particular footy clubs yeah, exactly. I do the same like you know my young fella plays and you know, you, you go to address someone that, you you know, from the sideline, you're calling Jono or, yeah, Brainy or whatever it is, but, yeah, can't think of their first name when you go to talk to them. It's crazy. <laughs> and you've obviously spent a lot of time around footy clubs then. So you played a lot? Oh, I um, spent my whole football career at the Akindana Football Club. Oh, right. Oh, I actually played a bit of rugby league uh, as a uh, young teenager yeah. uh, for the Albie Roos, which don't exist anymore because yep. uh, it used to be Albie Roos and Albie Blues and they merged and then then uh, at 18, I got um, brought out to the Akinana Football Club, mm-hmm. and I've been there ever since I was 18. I'm now 48, turning 49. Yeah, right. So Don't look a day over 47. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Right, <laughs> so, so what I, is it? You just follow the ruse, is it? Aubrey like. Ruse, uh, Yakandanda Ruse. Well, well, I'm not. No, not really. But it just ended up <laughs> out there, and I um, been out there for. I think this is my 31st year and I yeah, sure. wow. think I've done everything but uh, I played uh, I played for 16 years I think it was mm-hmm. a couple of premierships three uh, won three premierships in the reserves I was yep. never as a star footballer oh, that's right but uh, I mean in the, in the resies yeah. you were part of that team but, that's oh, cool. they are very highly special to me they are that's mm-hmm. for sure um, I'm uh, did the uh, running for the seniors for 10 years oh, sure. and in between that I was doing you were a runner uh, yeah. with that physique yes I know oh, that's <laughs> insane anybody can do it then can't they <laughs> Don't have to be fit to do it, mate. <laughs> you just yell from the sideline. <laughs> uh, and I'm a life member out there, which I high, high regard, so yep. I'd love it. Uh, yeah, uh, life membership, be, that's uh, that's a very cool honour to be able to be bestowed upon. And, and mind you, the, I can never give – 
back to the club what they've ever given me. The yeah. club has given me so much mm-hmm. over the years yep. that uh, I can never repay them, that's for sure. Yep. So, I feel- uh, So, are mum and dad local? Uh, they're local now. They actually live just around the corner where we're recording here yeah, right at the cool. moment. Yeah. And uh, But they lived in Yakandana for probably 20 years, I think it was, yeah, right. down there, some property out just out of Yakandanda. Mm-hmm. And my sister lives out of Yak now too. Right. But I started at Yak Football Club before mum and dad moved out there. Sure. So we moved to Albury-Wodonga when I was two years of age. Oh, right. So uh, I've been here since I was two so years So you have a sister and a brother? Yeah, i got a sister and a brother, yep. and my older sister, Nicole Ruti, mm-hmm. uh, and my brother, who's still Peter Saunas. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Very good. So he hasn't changed his name. He didn't get married? No, he didn't get married. No. That, <laughs> I know, it sounds a little silly, doesn't Anything's it? Anything's possible the, these days. <laughs> I'm just working with you. Put on the spot there for a minute. <laughs> no, that's all, no, that's all good. Yeah. So, and, and part of what you and I have been talking about is a journey that, that Pete's had with yeah. his life and, yes. and the way that's interacted with your family mm-hmm. and, and so your story is different to his obviously yes um and so there's probably two parts that we'll take on on this little journey of our chat mm-hmm. and and more importantly well not more importantly but just as importantly is the interaction that you've had with pete during his life and that and his struggles that mm-hmm. he's been through and how that's affected your family but how importantly that's come back on you and what that's meant yes do you want to do you want to go back just a little bit for us and do you want to talk about him first, or do you, what are you? What are you feeling? Oh, I'm happy to talk Don't about you. Pete. Pete first. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, so might as well start. Head first, bulldog, straight into it. Straight into it. Exactly. So tell us, tell us about Pete. Okay, my brother. Um, obviously, he's a twin brother of mine. Uh, oh, yes, twin. Twin. You never when, said that in the intro, Bernie. No, I didn't yeah. have to. Uh, nice. We're not identical. Uh, okay. If we were actually standing side by side, you wouldn't tell us apart. But yes, I do have a twin brother. Uh, so going right back to you know, we were best mates as kids that I can remember. Uh, we were brought up here as two years of age. We had a great childhood together. Um, you know, my parents struggled a lot in the earlier days, but we didn't realise as kids. Uh, dad brought, came up here with his own business and the business went bust and, and we didn't know and mum and dad worked their backside off for us. You and know, your folks kids. shield you from that a bit, they? did, they? they did. They really did. Oh, like, we didn't know. We were getting second-hand hand-me-down clothes and, and uh, second-hand bikes for Christmas and all that sort of that stuff. That speaks volumes, I reckon, for the parents in that mm. situation where yeah, they can provide an environment for kids rich. that are just – it's normal and it's a great lot well, – it's as good a life as is all possible at the time. Because you, you look at it retrospectively now because we're all parents mm. and you go, wow, how can you hide that mm. or shelter that from your kids if, if that was happening to us now, yeah? Mm. So, yeah, hats off to them. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, mm. my parents worked their backside off. I've never met the two hardest working people my whole life than my parents mm. and gave us a great childhood as much as they could. Um, and, look, I – can't remember anything being awful with my childhood. They were just amazing, amazing parents. Do you have to share a bedroom? Uh, I always shared a bedroom with my yeah, brother. Me too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Me, and my, me and my brother shared a bedroom right up until I think it would have been 17. How come maybe? kids have to have five-bedroom houses now because they've got three kids? Well, you know, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know myself because probably to stop them from killing each other. <laughs> well, I know, you didn't kill your brother and, and, and I didn't kill mine. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so as the journey went, we had a great childhood and uh, then we reached our teenage years. And as I was speaking to you about it, Ernie, uh, was um, uh, uh, Pete just changed suddenly. Uh, it just went from – and this is my view as a – Yeah, it's all you can tell us. 13-year-old yeah. child. Um, and my parents went away on a holiday, overseas holiday. We had my our uncle and auntie looking after my sister and my, myself and Peter, and um, we were home one day, and and this day changed the rest of our lives. Pete was just standing in the middle of the uh, lounge room and refusing to move, just couldn't move, couldn't move him off a spot, and he was crying, he was crying and crying, and we couldn't get him off this spot. And uh, he's finally worked out that he's he was telling us because he was in a a fit, uh, oh, right. bit of a state, state, yeah. and um, and I still remember it clearly. This all came. He just said, "You can't move off this spot, or else mum and dad would die." Yeah, so right. He said, "I can't move." So he's manifested that thought. Yeah, yep. that thought, and we couldn't move him. You know, hours and hours, him on that spot with myself, my sister, my uncle, my auntie, 
and there was something really wrong. Mm. So he must have been terrified. Oh, he was petrified himself. And uh, uh, like I still remember him, the tears rolling down his eyes, just saying he couldn't move, can't mm-hmm. move, can't move. And oh, but no, that was sort of going to be the beginning of uh, a fair chunk of our lives at that stage. Yep. Uh, so me, thirteen, my sister would have been. Fifteen. Yep. Uh, and how old was he, Tone? He was thirteen. He was a twin. Thirteen. No, of course. Yeah, duh. <laughs> duh. Yeah, right. I'm so enthralled. And you didn't say it in the intro, so that just threw me totally no, off. No, not a problem. So it was. Yeah. It was thirteen, thirteen and a half, yeah. and uh, and it was mum and dad's first time really being away from us uh, because the poor buggers deserved. Everything. Yeah, they had worked so yeah. hard, mm-hmm. nearly lost everything, and able to get back on their feet and all that sort of stuff. And I able to go away, and um, and and then all of a sudden Pete just uh, flipped it on its head, changed. He just changed it completely yeah. from that day, and from that day onwards, I, the brother I had that we were really close and good mates with was changed forever. Mm. So let's let's put paint a picture here. So. From that point on, he was then – was he diagnosed, like formally diagnosed? Not straight away. Yep. Yeah. Yep. To my knowledge, again, uh, but there was many uh, doctors. Sure, because you were younger. Yeah, it was I was hard very to know young. What goes and, on. you know, mum and dad tried to shout it as much as they possibly they could, but it was all, it was impossible to shout it, shut it completely. Yep. It was impossible. It, it did become impossible. You couldn't because uh, uh, it just turned our whole household on its head. Yep. Peter um, eventually got diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. Right. Uh, and which that means that people don't understand is that the, the pair, they do things constantly all the time to make sure something doesn't bad happen. The voice is talking mm. in his head. So, as an example, time. what would he do? What would that mean to you and him? Oh, well, he would get up and down out of bed three, four hundred, six hundred times a night to oh. touch the doorknob, you know, on and off, on and off, all night, all night, just to make sure he touched the doorknob because if he didn't touch the doorknob, that uh, something, something was going to be bad, was going to be happening. Yep. So constantly to the time point where I used to hold him down and you just get up and keep going down, up and down, up and down the ladder. Up and and down. again, sharing a bedroom. Sharing a bedroom. Side by sides or bunks? Bunks. Uh, the bunks were side by side. It was building bunks yeah, yeah. up high. And so we, every time uh, he got out of bed, yes, blanks you. Oh, woke me all the time. Many times when I dozed off and woke up, it terrified me because there was someone standing there walking up and down in, in the bedroom all the time mm-hmm. constantly uh he'd do it all night and crying and and, and not being able to sleep and and obviously he was exhausted but the oh, voices yeah. in his head was telling him he had to touch his doorknobs yep. and it just go on for hours and hours and hours and hours going up and down up and yep. down the ladder i can still remember the little wooden ladder we had up there just bang bang bang, bang, yep. bang, bang, bang yeah bang, 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 so bang. i mean from your point of view mm. you'd be worn out too Oh, yeah, I got not getting good sleep. Not getting good sleep. Worried for your brother. Worried for my brother, and um, uh, and and it just it just kept getting worse as you got older, and uh, end up going, you know, end up in hospital for a little while, and then coming home, uh, he lost a lot of weight. This photos of him really skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a lucky band and used to lay in bed too. And that was another one, just flicking the lucky band all night, just flick, okay. flick, 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 because it was to shock him out. Yep. And he just he said to me, uh, every time I drive past the cemetery, the voices tell me I'm going to end up in there. Or if you don't do this, mum and dad are going to end up in there and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, constantly right. talking to him all the time. And that's hard to oh, imagine. It's hard isn't to it? fathom. For, for those of I'm us exhausted listening. listening to it and trying to put myself in his shoes and, and your shoes. And that, that's just exhausting. That's so cruel. Yeah, so uh, cruel. for him more than anything. Else, oh, absolutely. At that, that stage. And for the family. And the you family. Know, trying to support him along yeah, the way. And, um, and mum and dad were just you know, at their wits' end, didn't know what to do. So, how did the next few years look like? Well, they got worse. As the years rolled on, as he got older, he got more, more, I suppose, as he got into his 15s and 16s and 17 years of age, he was getting into stages of, you know, he was on medication, obviously, to try to control things and that sort of stuff. Mm. And, uh, and then he started taking other drugs with it or alcohol. or yep. uh, and Which pe- is not uncommon. People no, start not very to common. self-medicate to try to, to help. And the problem was he could flick like a switch and he'll turn from- quite a reasonable person to quite a violent person and mm. to the point where you had to defend yourself mm. thoroughly. Yep. And the violent part was it just it was so hard on our whole family. It used to tear us apart. It actually tore 
a, a lot of us apart. Our whole household was on edge all the time. Well, not knowing what was going to happen. No, not going to happen in the next minute. But yeah. it also put tension on ourselves, my sister, myself, and my mum and dad, and mm-hmm. and uh, we'd lash out at each other as well because yep. the tension was so mm. great. Not knowing. Was there a time when you're all sort of trying to, as you got a little bit older, past those teenage years, where you're trying to push out to get away from home to, so you can find your own feet? Well, eventually, as we got to our 20s, you know, Peter was institutionalised, so yep, he right. was moved out of home. Uh, I'd moved out of home by about 18, 19, mm-hmm. probably 19. Yep. And I think before then, uh, going back on memory, by around about that 18 years of age, he was put into Mado Hills, as it, okay. the old Mado Hills. And my sister was able to move out of home a lot earlier because she was older than me and she finished year 12 and I don't know how she got her year 12 done, really. She did an amazing job doing mm. that and got that passed and then um, I'll take my head off to her. But she got a nursing degree down in Wangaratta, so she oh, yeah. was able to move out of home and go yep. down there. Like I, I still remember a point where the tension was so high. I still remember today that myself and father, my father, end up having each other around the neck, fist cock, ready to punch each other. To this day, I still because of the tension, because in the, the tension and, and yep. what Pete was causing, and we both looked at each other and just cried yep. and broke down. And I think that's when we realised something had to change. Mm. It had to, and um, I still remember that vividly. And I, my poor father, it must have mm. been terrifying for him. And um, well, as a father, and like Nard said, we're all we're all parents here, mm. father or mother. When you can't help. Mm. When there's something going on that you physically can't fix, that is the most, well, not just frustrating, but it's the most helpless feeling mm. that you get and, and, and never being in the same shoes as what your dad's been through, mm. uh, and your mum for that matter. Um, um, both of them, you know, yeah. it, it, For them to uh, support you and your sister as well as, as Pete going for, through all of that, wow, I just can't think of how mm. exhausting that must have been during a long, long, long period of time. It was, yeah, years and years. Did things improve once he was um, institutionalised for you guys at home? Yeah, oh, the house was 100% better. But you know, every time when he came out, it was always tension what was going to what was going to happen. Mm. Mum and Dad were always worried when he was out in time. So, I mean, there was a time he was arrested, once found completely disoriented, uh, I think high on something. Uh, in Wangaratta mm-hmm. and the police you know didn't take too kindly to it and when I say mm-hmm. that they, uh, back in those days they probably roughed probably him, up, him up yeah mm-hmm. roughed him up a bit and you know used to upset everyone and, and not defending anything anyway because I don't really know what happened but if that happened they probably didn't understand the situation either no they didn't to them he was probably an, I'll say this terribly a nutter yeah 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 they, yeah. they just didn't back in those days it was just he was a troublemaker. Yes. Yeah. But even you guys, like, you know, uh, I'm deflecting a bit here from from the cops, but even you guys, like, you, you wouldn't have been able to Google these symptoms. You, you, you wouldn't have had the knowledge to know much about mental health, I wouldn't imagine, back in those days. So even your own resources at home, they're so limited. It's like, who have I got here? Mm. I, I Look, because I was so unknown about the disease, yeah. I actually grew to resent him, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's understandable. And hating him uh, quite a lot, yeah. and didn't want to see him. I didn't mm. want, to, and uh, it was awful. Uh, I just totally understandable. And it also got to a stage where that physically affected him, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, it did. Um, at that stage, you're talking about the stage, show, yeah. So eventually, and, and a lot of happened in that stage, and eventually. We were, um, uh, I remember being at work this day and I was standing in the yard and I saw an ambulance scream past. And I thought to myself, something funny, funny about that. Mm. But didn't pay any attention to it and um, continue on. But I just thought that moment there, there was something strange mm. for that ambulance. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. And then about two hours later or three hours later, I got a phone call that my brother was in hospital. And now that ambulance was racing out to pick my brother up. He decided to end it and open up a bus at 100 k's and jumped out. And as he jumped out, he hit the ground and it was out at uh, Staghorn Flat. Do you know where around about mm-hmm. all those yeah. trees in that are at Staghorn Flat? Yeah. He missed every rock, every tree, but severely. Belted himself up. Belted himself up. 
uh, got a phone call to come to the hospital and we got told when we arrived at the hospital that he won't see the night. And um, he's laying there. And at this stage, my brother's 24, I think, 25 mm-hmm. off the mm. record. I can't 100%. Covered in tattoos mm. and uh, laying on the bed just uh, limp. Uh, limp. He was uh, keeping alive by a machine or things like that. And they said he's, he, he won't see the night. And we got my sister up from Melbourne and we're all sitting there around the bed. And I'm up. Obviously, you can imagine why my parents are like that. Absolutely mm. destroyed. Um, and I remember sitting there and thinking to myself, I was actually hoping he would pass. Mm. Not only would he be at peace, but so too would you. My guys. parents would be at peace mm-hmm. because we had gone through so much with them. Yep. And um, yeah. and, and what a, what a, and, and not to make light of it, but what a, a horrible feeling that you must have been feeling torn. Uh, torn, torn like that. I just thought it was time for him to go. Everyone, would, well, it wasn't because he missed all the trees and all the rocks and and everything else. As exactly, it, turns out. it did. He missed all that, and then um, the next morning, to cut a long story short, because I won't go into it too much. Uh, the next morning, he was still alive, mm-hmm. and he was fighting. And uh, my father said, "I'm not standing still anymore. Watching this just happen." So he went out. And hunted lion low and, and forced the doctors to do something. Yep. And they finally got him in and operated on him. And he survived. Wow. And Isn't now, cool? my brother, uh, since that day, he still has issues, but he lives on his own now. He's got a flat he lives in, looks after himself. No violence in him at all. Not incredible. He um he's turned his life around and I love my brother so much. Yeah. He's just a gentle soul. Yeah, if you speak to my brother, yeah, you'll think he's you know, he's almost trapped in that fifteen, sixteen year age, seventeen years of age. Okay. Loves his music, loves putting records on and loves playing records. Mm-hmm. He always says rings me and talks to me about or when we do talk to each other, have you bought this latest album? Have you bought this record? You know, like being fifteen, sixteen sure. years of age again. In, in the end, jumping off that bus was a godsend. It saved him. Turns God. out, yeah. saved all of us. And the, and obviously the help of the the doctor that could, that mm, could you know, yes. do whatever the hell they did. Whatever the they did, yeah, yeah, it was incredible. Oh, and your dad and for, the power of my parents for to, yeah to, for this not to stand around to happen yeah. and yep. not to let it happen. And yep. um, he's just a happy. Mm. He's he's likes being on his own. He doesn't yep. like big crowds. Uh, yep. He likes. He likes listening to his music. He loves watching his telly, and he just loves, you know, being a simple life he's got. Yep. And he and that's what I love about it now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's fantastic that that he's been able to find some peace, and and that's helped you and your family, you know, rebuild that relationship again. Oh, which what is pretty an incredible cool. story! Mm-hmm. So that's heart, one side of your story, where you, you know your life with your brother and your family as you went along, but you've had a journey yourself, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say that. so you could say that. How so could you not? We, after so that? we talk about living with uh, with someone who has a mental Paranoid. illness. Yep. And certainly paranoid schizophrenia is, is if you want to talk about a scale of thing, most people yep. think that's right up there on a scale of things. Yeah. But there's also a part of your life where you've lived from day one with with your own struggle in how to survive day to day. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. I um at a very young age struggled a lot. I struggled a lot with reading and writing. I'm now a man of who's 40, nearly 49 years of age mm-hmm. and realistically hadn't been able to read and write until I was the age of 35. Wow. So, but, 35, 36 and probably even at a stage now where I'm reading at probably in a level, like I, I read every day now, but I still struggle with reading and writing. So you mean reading and write if, if there was a, a word that I put in front of you now that you'd not seen before, mm-hmm. you would struggle to decipher that depending on what it is simple words i get easily now yep. but if but that's a skill i'm guessing you've learned over a long period of time uh, yeah a long period of time a lot yep. of memories and, and thinking so when you say up until the age of 35 <sighs> wow you've blown me away with that so how did you do life how did you work did you so how'd you go at school how'd you get through school i was terrible at school I ended up leaving school at 14 and a half yep. years of age. 
I went to work in a uh, timber yard at 14 yep. and a half years of age. Yep. Uh, I was going nowhere with school. Uh, yep. And school back in those days is a lot different to what it is now. If you were struggling and not passing and you know, all that sort of stuff, it was sort of not really pushed. Like if you tried to leave at 14 and a half years yes. of age now, they wouldn't allow you to do yep. it. But I That's left right. and went straight into the workforce. Were you a shithead? Was I a at shithead? School? You know, were you the no. troublemaker? No. No? I, I put my uniform on every day, went to school every day, never attended every class. I asked the question yeah. because sometimes when kids um, struggle with school and, mm. and how they fit in or- Yeah, they mask it with mm. bad behaviour. Yeah, with crappy behaviour. No, no, very well behaved, but I learned to memorise a lot. So if I was sitting beside someone working with their writing, I would copy their page down and I always memorised nearly all of it so I could write it down. Okay. And quickly write it down. So I'll be able to see four or five lines and remember it and then write it down on the page, my page. Exactly the same. Really? Yes. Holy <sighs> shit. To pass my classes, but I, it, there's only so much you could do because you missed a lot and you know, if you weren't quick enough. You know, you, you say you weren't good at school, but far out, that's a bloody talent. Uh, but it, it got better. I got better it's at other times. How did yeah. uh, so? Was that commonly known? Did the kids, other kids, know? Kids in my class knew, but it wasn't commonly known. No, teachers oh. knew. I struggled a bit. No. So, long story short, I end up had to leave and I left school because I yeah. wasn't yeah. passing. And I, uh, so, yeah. do we put a name on that? Is it dyslexia? Uh, probably now it would be diagnosed with dyslexia. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I can't even say the word properly. So <laughs> <laughs> my daughter has just been diagnosed with it. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah. So she's getting the proper help for it. Uh, yeah. Obviously, so it wasn't available when you. It wasn't were at available school. when I was at school. So no. I left school for it was my best option. Yeah. I went to the workforce and I went into a timber yard, which. All of a sudden, a 14-and-a-half-year-old kid was working with, with men. men. Yeah. And um, a lot of men didn't appreciate that too much. Um, I was treated awfully at work. I, I was beaten up in the toilet blocks. I was covered in uh, oil, thrown sawdust all over me. Had to strip off and shower sometimes before my father picked me up. I was constantly beaten up. It's a it's a cruelty when when people take advantage of someone mm. who not only is younger than them but is 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 just less life yeah. skilled. I remember arriving at a taller block, going to the tall, and they turn around. There was two blokes there and there, and, and they just decided to belt belt me up just because, just because, just because. Wow! And that constantly happened every week. And you were telling me a story where they locked you in a toolbox at some point. Yeah, well, I moved from that timber yard to another timber yard and then onto another trade. And they used to, I got locked in a, a meter by, oh, I can't remember. It was a box, toolbox thrown there. And I was left there for two hours. I was put a pole through my overalls and hooked up to a crane and hung up on the crane like, you know, like Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, all over. Um, uh, I was constantly, I led a light, you know, uh, I had, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like a paint fluid or something yep, on my yep. clothes thrown on and litten. Oh, wow. And, um, uh, Far and do you think a lot of that was because they were picking up on, on your inability to read and write? Do you think that was part of it or? No, no, they just, they just, just an age thing. Just, just, an age, on you. just yeah. picked on me. They, Felt good picking on me. So, from your self-esteem point of view, you go from sorry struggling at school. I'm, it is I'm, disgusting. I'm just and 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 hopefully that doesn't happen these days um, because mm. of someone like yourself who's gone through that and things have gotten better. And you shouldn't have never had to have gone through that, by the way. But hopefully things are way better than what oh they, my what god, they were then. that is just. But so tell me, you. I mean, with. The struggles that you had at school with, mm -hmm. with learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you didn't feel like you fitted in, I'm guessing, mm -hmm. very well. And, you know, why, why don't I understand that when everyone else is ripping past and, and how come it doesn't just work for me? Because that would filter through a lot of your life when you were younger. And that's where you, you form a lot of your, your personality and your, and your, and your character strengths and things when you, when you're younger. And if you're second guessing and doubting yourself all the way through those years, and then into that environment at work at such a young age to then be crushed and kicked down every single time. Um, again, that's got to be massively tiring for you as how, how well did, as- Yeah, I just want to know, how did you deal with that? Oh. How, how did you get through every day? I just had to. I had no choice. 
I remember coming home telling Dad you know, what was happening, and he was marvellous. He tried to find me a job. He you know, moved me on to another job and found me another job because he knew I was struggling. And um, But oh, I had no education. I couldn't yeah. go. And I went to reading teachers. I went to spelling teachers. It wasn't like we tried. And my parents tried their hardest, and I could never. Just grasp it. Just couldn't grasp it. Could yep. never grasp it. So eventually – I fell into a job which sustained me for 30 years. Yep. Uh, and when- but, but I want people to remember while they're listening to this that not only are you struggling day to day in your work life and your school life, but you come home at night. And Peter was there. And you don't get to sleep. Didn't get to sleep during the day. Nights when he was up and down. So how do you get to concentrate during the day and keep going and and pick yourself up and keep rolling? You must have an incredible resilience inside yourself, mate. Oh, it was was exhausting. Now that you look back on it, I'm sure it was bloody exhausting. It was exhausting. Um, Yeah, you say that, but maybe that's why I have the troubles I do have today. Oh, for sure. Yep. Sorry. No. Or the troubles I did have over the years because it just seemed constant. Yep. And then every time it seemed to get good, something else happened. Yeah. As we will talk about it. And and that's also so. Mm. So you've you've landed in another job, um, which which is like you said, sustained you for a long period of time. Thirty years. Yes. But what were you doing in that job, Tate? It was actually my my father got me started on that job when it was driving trucks for oil gas. Yep. So simple thing. You know, not highly educated. I wasn't, and I'm not saying I was silly because I was quite smart in other areas, which yep. I'll yes, explain to you. Yes. Uh, but I was able to get behind a steering wheel and drive Back a truck. Back the wagon up. How'd you get your driver's license? Well, yeah, that's another one. I I tricked my reading teacher. We used to go to my reading teacher, and um, she used to we used to read the book together. My L's books. So I used to convince her that we'd sit there and read that all the time and then I'd memorise it. So I'd memorise the whole, I end up memorising the whole book without reading it properly. I couldn't read it properly uh, at all. You know, I, I couldn't. So I, I just had to memorise it. I memorised so, it big time. Yeah, that's astounding. So you had to have a test, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Back uh, then, was it a written test as well? It was a driving test first. Yep. So, so you would have passed that so easy. I passed the driving test 100%. Yeah. And then my theory test was after it. And you didn't have an option in those days if you struggle, struggle reading or not that they had no. people help you read it or, yep. or, or whatever. There was either you sit down there and it, no computers, no nothing. It was a written test in front. So what I did was after I memorized the book, I remember the words in the book that matched the words in the questions and knew what to tick. Fucking, I'm just, you've blown me away and I wish you'd stop saying words like, you know, an easy job, you know, I wasn't real smart because, oh, my God. Well, hey. You're beyond smart. Hey, it doesn't matter what you do. It's not easy because obviously every single day when you wake up, You've got to address that. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. the one thing in front of you yeah. every single morning. The most terrifying. You don't get to sit down and read the paper. No. The most terrifying. So how'd you go to the test? Shut up, Bernie. I want to know how we went in the test. Oh, pa- <laughs> well, obviously I got my license and yeah. I passed. So um I know what he first time now. Yeah. First time? First time. First go. Just wow, memorize familiar words in the book to the questions. That is saying, just mind blowing. No, but take that, that another step further. You're now a delivery driver. So you've got dockets to read and you've got schedules that you've got to follow. So what there was, there used to be the customer's name, which I couldn't read, the customer number and their address. So I just memorised the address. And So you're good with numbers? Good with numbers. Not I was never good at maths. No, 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 but you're good at recognising and, and numbers understanding the numbers. And the first two letters of the word, so the street name. Okay. Wow. So I'd memorise the street name by the first letter yep. and the number because when you get to a small town, most streets start with only the one. T- first two letters are not the same. Right. Yeah. So I memorise the letters that way, and then you memorise the map. <laughs> You'd be a travelling Malways in your own head <laughs> by the time you learned where you were going all the time. Yeah, and then you just memorise the run, and then I just remember remember the run after doing it a few times. Yep. It's like anything now. If I get shown a run now, if I do it once. It clicks. It clicks. I remember it straight yeah, away. Wow. I can do it again straight away. Okay. That's incredible. 
So was that job all easy sailing then after that? Oh, no, because in 30 years there was time. Uh, There'd be changes, I would imagine. No, yeah, new computers and new you've got to do a dangerous goods course mm-hmm. uh, every three years, mm-hmm. every five years, or I think it would change halfway through to so to memorise and sit next to the next one who's quite intelligent to, where to put words and all that sort of stuff to the point where my last year I went for my dangerous goods licence I actually told the TAFE teacher for the first time that I have a reading difficulty. Okay. And I actually got help where right. every other time I bluffed my way through it. There Not to say that I was dangerous from driving dangerous goods because I no, knew. No, 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 no. You, you knew. You I knew. Yeah. But yeah. I knew how to, uh, each time the test comes around, I was able to master and remember and uh know where what to put down so uh, nards when we have a test for anything we stress right yeah we all do that that's that's fair to say yeah, that, we that's, sit down in front of a test normal. of some description we just go you know the anxiety levels go up yours must peek through your hat it goes through the roof uh every time i had to go to the doctors or something they say here's a form can you fill it in I used to be petrified uh everything not don't now because it took a lot of work sure and thank God for modern day phones for spelling. Yep. We talked about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And but, uh, but also, Tone, when you say thank God for now, okay, the technology and things like that, but what about being able to be honest with what's wrong? Like, you you know, you were saying you told the TAFE teacher that you had a learning disability oh, or difficulties. Scared, scared the hell to tell anyone. that I, Even now. Even now. I'm embarrassed. See, that's that saddens me, I think, because- we you're shouldn't embarrassed, be embarrassed. But you're still here talking mm. to us. Yeah, it took so a- that you can help somebody else. And I know it took it, you a lot to do this. It took me a lot to do this. But by the same token, what you're doing will have a profound effect on people who are probably sitting at home thinking, that's me. Mm. You know, or kids that are that are looking and I know kids don't necessarily listen to our podcast, but the parents who might can go, Oh hell, you know, maybe that's something that our yeah. our kids are going through and, and they can address that early. So now these days I, I'll read the paper every day. I try to read every day to, you know, because I miss every third or fourth word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do make mistakes and say, yeah. Oh da 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 and then they still use the old trick. Oh, I forgot my reading glasses because I'm at that age now where I need yep. reading glasses. Yep. So yep. it's like the other week I had a report of player at football and I had to fill out the report sheet. Mm-hmm. I couldn't read it. Yeah. So I said to the operational manager, I said, I'm sorry, mate, I forgot my glasses. Can you help me out with this? Yeah. yeah. And again, uh, it's that embarrassment. You don't mm-hmm. really want everyone to know where you're at. Yeah. They know now. Yeah, they do know now. They know now. <laughs> so hopefully- How many people got away with um- – Doing something wrong, I guess, on the footy field is what I'm thinking. <laughs> so he didn't have to fill out the forms. <laughs> yeah, it was point. number 13. No, it was really number 33. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was, think always all right with numbers. Yeah. yeah, numbers yeah. But from good. that point of view, mm-hmm. you being able to sit here with us and, and, and express your life and, and the way it's been and where you're at now, mm-hmm. the people that you interact with and if they're listening to us and the word will get out and around, there's no doubt about that. We have mm-hmm. small communities. They will give you that help. Mm. Quite openly and happily, they're not going to call you a dumbass, mm. you know. And and I think society. Yeah, now, that, well, that's what saddens the, me. The, the community of the footy club that you're involved with, and, mm. and we've you know we've had a chance to talk about them a few different times, and the support that they give to their community. Mm. That group of people clearly is going to come to you with not offering help because you don't need it. Like you're not a dumbass sitting no, here going, "I need help every five seconds." Um, but that just that camaraderie that'll help you push forwards i think that'll be mm. cool yeah so yeah it was it was hard it was hard for my late oh, teenage absolutely. years it was hard to move forward yep. and move forward in my life and yep. yeah worried about how am i gonna survive and just had to work and work and work and how'd work. you uh so rachel your wife mm-hmm. uh beautiful wife rachel and very patient wife rachel <laughs> 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 um clearly has has gone on has helped you along the way, yeah? Yes. Yep. Yeah, she knows, so, well and truly knows my, my problems with my reading and writing. Yeah. Yes, yes. But that hasn't always been plain sailing either, has it, mate? As you take a big sip of water. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, it wasn't. But if you even go back further, with my, my first marriage, uh, I marriage ended and uh, yep. I went into a real bad state myself yep. mentally. Yep. 
because I know we were talking about Rachel too, and we'll, I can talk about that in a minute too, if you sure, like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. uh, I went to a real bad place in my first divorce. Yep. When I say first divorce, my only divorce. Your only divorce, divorce. yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and that's, I mean, that's a that's a, a major event in your life, mm, yes. and that's that that had a profound effect upon you. A huge effect on me. I I I, I didn't recover really. I um when I say don't didn't recover at that stage, I couldn't recover, and I was in such a bad place that I decided that was it. Yep, I was going to take my life. Mm-hmm. I actually decided on that day. And how I was going to do it, and I haven't spoken openly to this about anyone. And um, I knew I was uh, there was twelve gauge shot going to Dad's place, and Mum and Dad weren't home. And I was going to go out and end my life. Mm-hmm. And I actually felt a little bit of peace to myself. Okay, that I knew because I was I just couldn't go forward yeah. anymore. I was done. I was. Going round and round and round circles and round in your own thoughts. Yeah, in my thoughts and in my mind and, and everything. And my mom is telling you, you know, it's a similar thing. Well, Peter probably would have heard that you're no good, you're done, you're, you're, you're an idiot, you're this and all that sort of stuff. So I decided I was going to finish my life. And what stopped you from doing that? Well, funny thing is, story, which you probably heard a little part of it, that all of a sudden, really about an hour after I decided this was going to happen, Scooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Fraser knocked on my door and he said, right, we're going for a run. And he took, he took me for a run and I, I think I ran him into the ground that day and we ran up a hill and I got to the top of the hill and he finally caught up to me and he just said, right, yell out, just yell. And I went, rah. He yeah. said, no, <laughs> really yell. And I just let this huge roar go and he just put his arms around me and he just said, mate, I'm with you with this. We'll get through this. Yep. And from then on, himself and great friends of mine, Marcus and Nat Dowling, yep. were beside me the whole way. Yeah, the power of, of, of friendship, friendship. and, and the, fa- the power of timing, mm. you know, for, for Scott to be there at that time. Now, you'd been obviously talking to him beforehand about where you're at and what you were thinking. I mean, why did he turn up? Well, he knew, you know, obviously the divorce and, and uh, I wasn't, you know, just he was just a mate checking up on me. Yep. Um, I went to counselling uh, before that mm-hmm. and counselling wasn't great back then right. for, for a man. Uh, I basically got told by a counsellor just to suck it up. Yeah, okay. And move on. Yep. And- um. I walked out of that cancelling session and I just decided that that was where, it. Where do I go from there? Where do I go this from is there? where I go. This is where I go and that's when I decided that and then all of a sudden, I went to two counsellors, mind you, and they were both awful. And that's the thing that people say is you got to keep going and mm. keep going until you find the right one, which yeah. is not that easy, is no. it? Because at some point you feel defeated. And then all of a sudden, Scooter, I lost probably 10 kilo by this stage, I was ruined. I was down out, and mm-hmm. I was then Scooter just and Marcus and that. If mm-hmm. it wasn't for those three, and, and let me say too, Linda, Linda was fantastic. She was hundred yep. percent support. And Linda, Linda is obviously Scott's wife. Scott's wife, yep. and um, they picked me up. But have you ever asked him the question why he turned up that day? Not really. No, no I've never asked him. He just the kind of person he is, and uh, I'm ever indebted for him to turning up that day because. I had decided I was going to go. Mm. I hadn't told anyone that. I was actually speaking to Rachel about it just the other day, what I was about to say, and she had no idea. And she goes, I can't believe you ever got to that state. And mm. I said, yeah, I was done. And then- Well, good on your scooter. He came and, and picked me up. And, and then from then on, the four of them carried me through to get me back to where yep. I, I felt comfortable again and yep. happy to move forward. Yeah. And then meeting Rachel down the track, it lifted yeah, everything. Yeah. I, I, but also, Tone, you know, for, for listeners, there's great advice. I, I'm, I'm not, and I'm sure you're not for one minute suggesting counselling full stops no good. It's just you didn't have luck with those two. Mm. But there's a form of therapy in counselling as well, having good people around mm. you that no one understand checking in on mates. It's the best kind of counselling. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, and as I said, I'm not bagging cancelling because- No, no, like, no, no. Later, I, later, in my, later in my life when we were talking about Bertie- Yeah, yeah. Rachel, because 
all of a sudden I realised I, I, I thought it was just the divorce yep. that made me get into that state. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I met Rachel, had a lovely, a loving relationship with my uh, wife, who I love more than anything to this day. And then around about 2016, I was falling back into a state of depression again. Yep. I didn't know myself, but I knew I wasn't happy. I knew I wasn't right. And I still remember me, Scoot, and a friend of ours, Andy, we went down and watched the St. Kilda and Bulldogs play like we always do. You know, every time St. Kilda, Scoot to St. Kilda, I'm uh, Bulldogs, obviously. And we went obviously. down. <laughs> and we went down to um, Melbourne this day to watch the game and, and we had a lot to drink and the Bulldogs got beaten. And um, we went back to my cousin's place. Um, Belinda, who we stayed at her place, and they stayed upstairs to sleep. And that morning, I walked into the kitchen. She said, "How was the game?" And I just burst out crying. I just couldn't control myself. I was, and she said, "Oh God, you, the game wasn't that bad, was it?" <laughs> but then all of a sudden, she realised, yeah, there was more to it. Yeah, I had gone into a state of depression again, and to the point where. I kept saying to myself, I can fix myself, I can fix myself, I can fix myself, and I'm going to fix myself. But I kept going home and, and I wasn't fixing myself. But but home was good? No, home started going bad. Okay, right. Because of my depression. And and, uh, it just- and that's hard for a family to understand and, so, and to work but with. But was that the only bad tone? I, I just, you know, you know, was bad home because of your depression, do you think? or And you don't have to tell us why, but I just want to understand, was it because of your depression? There was a lot going on at that stage. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, When plenty. I say that, uh, you know, with, without saying too much, you know, with the family, myself. Yep. Yeah. And I wasn't coping, coping with it. Yeah, probably. yeah, okay. Yep. And- to the point where I'd nearly lost Rachel. Yeah. And then Rachel actually remember when she was telling me, oh, I think it's over. Yeah. And I I was done again. Mm. It came back again. And I was yeah. I remember reaching out to, to Marcus and he said, Right, we're gonna do something about this. And he put me on to um psychologist. Psychologist yep. or a counsellor. And uh, I won't say her name or anything, but she was the best thing ever. Yeah. Turned my life around big time, hugely motivated me. I think I had seven sessions with her, saved my marriage. Uh, I can tell you right now between us all, my wife and I are more in love with each other today than we ever have been before in our lives. Maybe you should be sharing a name, or maybe if anyone wants to know her name, they can reach they out. They can reach out they to us. They can reach out, mm. yes. And it was amazing. It turned my whole life around. Uh, and um, So did you go there for marriage counselling, or did no, you go to- counselling for, for yourself. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. when we are talking about before, keep looking for that counsellor, keep looking for that That's person right. you can talk to. That's you exactly right. You went one, right. two, and I know different mm. times in your life mm. and different situations, but you did find somebody good. Yeah, yeah. it did. It's fantastic. Is, and yeah. it was more about- putting me back in control. Yes. And I think that's a very valid point, mate, is that we can lose sight of the fact that we are the most important person Mm. in our bubble of life, no matter what you're doing. If your health is not good in either way, whether it be mental or that be physical health is not good, you can't be good for other people. That's right. You can't be good for your kids. You can't be good for your partner. So you've really got to- um, be bloody insular sometimes and yeah. look after yourself. My poor wife, it, it took her to a point to say, I think I'm going to have to walk away yep. if you don't change. Mm. Uh, and because I was so, I didn't realise, I couldn't, I keep thinking to myself, oh, I'm fine. I'll and again, fix we myself. need somebody to recognise that yeah. for us, don't we? Mm. You know, um, and let's assume for a second, Scott recognised that in you on mm. that particular day or mm. in that period of time. And then Rachel's gone to you and said, oh, mate, this is where we're at here. So, mm. you know, it's it's great to have that honest people mm. around you in your life. Exactly. And it just move forward. And I end up having to get medical, not just counselling, mm-hmm. medical help as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, I see my dog regularly from then. Yep. So after all that happened and I got my life back on track again, mm-hmm. and, uh, and my, myself and Rachel and the kids were fantastic and getting along moving, Rachel got diagnosed with breast cancer. Yep. And then- um, And how long ago was that now, mate? 
Uh, that was well, I went into that depression around about 2016-17. Yep. And then just as I come out of it, it was almost only weeks after that that Rachel turned with breast cancer. Right. We found out Rachel had breast cancer. Yep. So we're saying three or four years. 2017, ago. it was she was diagnosed. Yep. So yeah. I think 17 or 18. If that's, I'm not 100 percent sure. Roughly. Yeah. 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 <sighs> so she said she found a lump. And she, because uh, one of our sons jumped on her, and, and she went, "Oh, that hurt!" Oh, yeah. And felt it, and felt a lump. So we moved, uh, went to the doctor's. She got a you know, mammogram. Yep, that's correct yeah. the way they say it. And it came back positive. She had breast cancer. Yeah, well. So I remember our first doctor's appointment, and uh, said, "Yep, yeah, breast cancer. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen." And we we're so overwhelmed, and so much information mm-hmm. was given to us. And uh, she was diagnosed stage three breast cancer. Um, uh, so it was time to act. Sure. And uh, we got in, uh, cut a long story short, uh, Rachel was the most calm. I, I, I was at one wit's end and Rachel was the most calm, cool, collected. And you know, Rachel. I do. Yeah. How well she controlled that situation and said, this is be right. We fix this. We're going to go for it. Mm. And, um, she went through surgery. I think she had three or four surgeries, a stint of uh, chemo mm-hmm. and four stints of radiation. Right. Now, that girl went through hell and back, and she was still the most positive person through it all. Yeah. And I thought to myself, if she can do that, I can be there to support her 100%. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she did an amazing yeah, job. Powerful. Amazing job. She got through all that. Yep. How is she now, mate? How is she now? Is she health-wise. Health, excellent. She's in remission. Not how is she, but how, no. is, she, how is she health-wise? <laughs> She's in remission, doing extremely well. Good. Uh, really, really well. I mean, Rachel's the most amazing, positive person you will ever met. Yes. Everything's always half full, not yep. half empty. Yep. Always. Uh, she always tells me she loves me. Mm-hmm. She always gives me a cuddle mm-hmm. uh, when I need a hand because – um, which we'll touch on really quickly again. Uh, uh, just she's always there for me, and uh, we we got through it. I mean, beat yep. cancer. Yeah, you did. And let's and let's reflect again for a second. And you've said you, you're um, you've seen your doctor, and and you're you're taking medication, medication. for your own good yes. health. Yes, and that's an ongoing thing for you now forever. Is that fair to say? At the moment, yes, because yep. I did have another, which is not a bad thing, because mm. I've, I've got heart problems. Mm. I'll take heart tablets mm. forever to make sure my heart's good. So yeah. if that's something that is necessary for you, then that's not such a bad thing, is it? Yeah, well, yeah, I have to because I had another episode at the start of this year, mm-hmm. a complete breakdown yep. again. So one thing I've learned out of all this is uh, there's never – you can always find uh, – I mean, myself is – I know this is an ongoing thing now. My mental health doesn't go away. Yep. It's there every day. Every day I might look in the mirror, I have days where my myself goes, you're nothing but a worthless piece of shit. And I have days where it sits there and says, yeah, you're all you're right. Awesome. We'll get through this all right. Mm-hmm. But then I see my wife. She tells me I'm fantastic and she says, I love you. Yep. And uh, I have days where I just – I meditate. Good. I listen to music. I run. I see the doctor regularly all the time. And you've made some changes in your life too. Yes, I uh, So work-wise, you've found um, a career now, a different career. Different career. Similar but different. Similar but different. You're, um, that you're very happy with and we've talked I'm about Loving this. at the moment. I end up making a huge leap of faith in my life to leave Elgas, my company that I worked for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, move into bus driving, mm-hmm. and um, I've loved every minute of it. Mind you, that was the most terrifying moment of my life because to change, to change because yep. I had a complete breakdown. I, I'm to the point where I was in the doctor's surgery, crying. I couldn't control myself. I had the anxiety was so high about knowing I needed to change, mm-hmm. but to leave something that I knew so well. My wife. Picked me up and took me to the doctors, and because that's a big thing. Yes, that's a massive. It's a big thing for anyone that doesn't have the sort of difficulties that you have, Tony. Still, I know you're a lot better, but you know, still with those reading issues and stuff. I mean, that's hard for anyone. That's mm. hard for absolutely anyone, especially yep. when you've been in the same job for thirty years. And there's mm. the what ifs. What if it doesn't work? Yeah. What if my family isn't supported? Yep. What if? What if? What if? Oh, there was a lot of yep. what ifs. I yeah. still have the what ifs, but yeah. <laughs> yep. um, but um, I did it, and, I, I, and I'm proud I did it. Mm. Yeah. But I st- still go and see the doctor every 
six months. Yep. Yep. Uh, how I'm going. Yeah. It's great. I think- and That's okay. Are you okay with that? Of course I am. I, if yeah. it means Because as I said, I, I, it, it, my mental health doesn't go away. No. It's, I've learned now that it's there with me. Yeah. Yep. And I've learned now that there is ways of fixing it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And managing it. And managing it. And it, we can get through it because yep. it took a while to realise in the earlier days that, that I thought it was just one off breakdown or yeah. the second one, I just it's just another, another thing. One. Yep. And, and then now having the third one, did I realise this, this is probably a part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I still have. But a lot I reckon of- what you've been able to show everybody is that during the journey of your life and and all of the different aspects of your life and the things that have had massive influences on you, you've proven one big thing to me today, and that is that you didn't give up. You never gave up. You always found a way to make it work. You did take on support and you did take on the help of other people, whether that be professional or mates or family or whatever it was, you pushed on. So mm. you're, you've shown to everybody in our little chat here that you've got to just keep going. Just and, keep and going. You it's know, possible. in amongst that, Bernie, you've had some bloody big life hurdles, you know, a marriage breakdown. Your brother with what he went through, your wife going through breast cancer, you know, like not everyone with mental health problems face those type of of hurdles in life. So, yeah, you're very, very strong man, very strong man. It's come man. from everywhere. It's good. No, mate, yeah. I, I, out of everything I'm else, still blown away over here. Yeah. I just want to say thanks. I really do because, you know, your story's different. To, to others that yes. we've spoken to. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we had a chat early on together and and you shared with me and, you know, we've been on fishing trips together and things and, you know, and had little chats, little snippets here and there that, um, that sort of got us to where we are today. But it just simply that fact that you've been able to come in here and share with us the story of your life has been the most powerful tool for other ones, other people to have a look at and see where we're going. And also, Ben, you know, looking at things on the other on the other angle, I hope that if you know people listen out to this, that might be, and I hope there's nobody out there. But on the other side of what you face, Tony, so those bullies in your workplace, I, I hope we've outlived all that crap. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, just, yeah, just treat people kindly because, I mean, you are the epitome of well, we don't know what people are going through because the the face that you front up with and, you know, what what we see on the outside certainly not what's been going on in the inside. So I really hope we need to be a lot kinder. Yeah, yeah. And I really hope one day that your kids get an opportunity to listen to this and uh, and just – Take a little snippet out and see what Dad's life was like, so that they can make comparison to what theirs is like, and you know, and appreciate you for who you are and what you've had to be. If I could just say one thing out of all this to anyone out there who thinks their friend might be in a bit of trouble, don't be afraid to ask, even if you're wrong, because I was in trouble several times. It's better to be wrong. And my friends were there for me. Yep. Yeah, and the football friends, my football club was there for me. Yep when I needed it, but I didn't reach out for it. So I nearly at that point when I wasn't reaching out for it to finish it. And for uh, a friend to notice something was wrong, yep. it saved me. Yeah. And now I wouldn't be here today with my beautiful wife and my five kids yeah. and the life I'm living now. Great advice. Tony Saunders, you're a legend. So, Tony, if we did have a billboard, would that be your billboard? If we gave you the opportunity to write something, neon signs for all of, you know, the community to see, what would your message be? Oh, just be there for your mate. Be there for your friend. uh, Good advice. Be there because you just don't know until you ask the question. If you think they're a little bit off, ask them. Yeah, like you said, Bernie, you're better off being wrong than – or you're better Mm. off looking like a fool – and being mm. wrong, then yep. yeah, not asking that question, Tony. I, I've I I could chat with you for hours, and maybe we might get Tony back on another episode. Who knows? But I've done that much crying and sucking, and I'm slurping over here and carrying on. But we always finish on a on a positive, fun note. So we ask six quick questions: whiskey or rum? Whiskey. 
Text or call? I think call. Call? I was going to take the piss out of him there and say, is that because you can't text? Or? No, modern day phone. <laughs> You're talking to your phone I now. I knew you would take text. it. I'm talking to my uh, phone. <laughs> giving or receiving? I love giving. Yeah. Facebook or Instagram? I don't do Instagram. I have Facebook. And the only thing I normally put on there is that when the Bulldogs win. Yep. It's not very often. <laughs> it is this year. <laughs> High school or adult life? I wouldn't go back in my younger years again. Nah. True. Where yeah, I am now. That's understandable. Where I am now is where I would like to stay. Yeah. I, I couldn't do all that again. My 20s, my nah. teenagers. Even- Once was enough. Mm. Are you a scruncher or a folder? Uh, uh, before you answer, let's try and guess. Oh, we've gone into guessing games now. Oh, I reckon Tony is a scruncher. Can I say I don't give a shit? <laughs> uh, yeah, scruncher. Both wrong. Oh, you're oh, a folder. Jesus, very meticulous. Oh, Josh. Oh, Josh. <laughs> oh, Tony. I'll pick a name. Tony, thank you so much. It's um, yeah, you're you're a very brave man who's been battered and bruised and far out. I don't know how you keep getting up, but I'm glad you have. Thank you. I do appreciate thank you it very much. Not a problem. Good man. This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.